<sighs> Didn't I tell you? I know I told you because I know you was listening to me when I said it. I've been telling you for weeks I was coming back at you with a new studio. Well, as you can see, I wasn't lying. Welcome to the new edition of the Stephen A. Smith Show. Holla at your boy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of the Stephen A. Smith Show, coming at you at the very least every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday over the digital airways of YouTube. I am sitting right here in my brand new studio. Thanks to my official studio sponsor, FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel, the official studio sponsor of the Stephen A. Smith Show. As usual, I always take some time to be, uh, express my level of gratitude for the love and support that I've received from everybody out there. My subscribers on YouTube has now exceeded 380,000 in the first seven months. And I can't thank y'all enough because obviously, if you didn't keep the love coming, I wouldn't keep on coming. But I'm here and I'm here to stay. Please continue to like and follow the Stephen A. Smith Show right here on YouTube. Just click the bell to get notified of all of my new content. While you're at it, don't forget to pick up a copy of my New York Times bestselling book, Straight Shooter, a memoir of second chances and first takes. I'll be taking your calls as well. Remember, I promised you that. Not just text messages, not just questions on social media, but actual live phone calls. Yes, I will be taking them. So make sure you throw them in this direction. The number to call up as always is 888-727-5303. That's 888-SAS-5303. Let's get to the stories of the day, please. First thing I wanted to do was start off with Houston, Texas quarterback C.J. Stroud. Now, we know that he's made news recently because of his greatness on the football field. We haven't seen a rookie quarterback look like this, arguably since the days of Dan Marino in 1983, for crying out loud. C.J. Stroud is legitimately an MVP candidate, not just a rookie of the year. They ain't even a discussion. They ain't even a discussion. That's over, okay? He's the rookie of the year unless something, something happens somewhere. He is the rookie of the year. Make no mistake about it. But there's another compelling story that comes associated with C.J. Stroud that everybody needs to know because he was telling us as he was standing on a podium a little over a week ago. Home. Um, and actually, I have that with my dad. I got to talk to my dad a little bit this week, man. And um, I'm praying to God that, that uh, something can happen, that he can get out and uh, come to one of these games, man. I've been uh, praying for him a lot. And I know I didn't want to make this public, man, but I, the, our criminal justice system isn't right. Um, and it's something that I, I need to probably be a little more vocal about because um, what he's going through is not right. Um, and he called me this week and we got to talk. Um, and I just, I'm praying for the situation on the reform and the people um, with reform are helping me a little bit. But um, I think just letting it be known, man, like it's not just my dad's situation, but the whole uh, criminal justice system is corrupt. Um, I was, I've been watching videos in Mississippi, some of the prisons um, they have rats and roaches and things like that. And don't get me wrong, like, like, uh, criminals, they should pay, do their time and, and everything should be like that, but uh, they're still humans, you know what I mean? And um, I just want to shine light on that real quick, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really blessed to break the record, and I'm really blessed to uh, get the win. His family was thrust into the uh, abject poverty, as we all know, when his father, Coleridge, Coleridge, I apologize, was jailed for 38 years for a series of horrific crimes. We don't know all the details. We can look into that. But the point that he was making is that it's something that he lives with every single day. He obviously has a tremendous level of love for his father. He wanted to point that out to the, everybody in the world, watching him now, watching him shine. 
He was talking about himself and asking everybody to recognize the level of adversity that he deals with on a day-to-day basis, the kind of things that he has to overcome. He also took it as an opportunity while shining a light on his greatness and what he's been doing for the Houston Texans, who are now vying for a playoff spot in the AFC South division, fighting Jacksonville at this particular moment in time, just a game out of the first place in that division. He took a moment to really highlight the fact that I'm going through a lot. I think the justice system is kind of shady in its own way. And the treatment of prisoners is something that I think we all need to pay attention to. Those were his words. The reality is Z isn't the only one screaming about that. A lot of us, or a lot of us out here in public who obviously are not incarcerated don't take too much time to think about those who are. And what he was talking about is not just the treatment of his father, but how attention should be brought to a lot of individuals who are incarcerated because some are there unfairly. And the treatment that they're receiving is something that we all need to pay rapt attention to. I thought that as a courtesy to C.J. Stroud and the level of greatness that he's putting on display, for him to take a moment in time to address that particular subject, it's not only something that we should pay attention to because it highlights his ability to deal with adverse circumstances and still go out there and shine, but we also need to pay attention to the fact that, hey, maybe we should be looking in to our criminal justice system, just the latest excuse to do just that. So I want to take a moment to give C.J. Stroud some love because God knows he deserves it more so than a lot of people right now. So that was just point number one. Wanted to get to another story, and this one involves the Buffalo Bills. It involves the Buffalo Bills losing a game Monday night football to the Denver Broncos, Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos, Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos, a Denver Broncos team that has now won three straight after looking absolutely positively horrific. It was quite embarrassing. There is no doubt about that. But here's the flip side. There's a bigger story percolating in, in the city of Buffalo. And it's the fact that they are 500 team. They've got a quarterback in Josh Allen who is considered by many to be a star. I got news for you. Since his rookie year in the National Football League, he's committed 94 turnovers over the last 87 games. That's just horrific. He leads all quarterbacks in the NFL. Second place to him is Jared Goff of the Detroit Lions, who's at 85, who's committed nine less turnovers. Josh Allen has been a turnover waiting to happen. The Buffalo Bills, as a result, have been struggling. And what we have to pay attention to now more than ever before is the fact that Stephon Diggs, doesn't want to be there. Now, I took a lot of heat. Y'all remember the heat I took, right? When I said, according to my sources, um, he doesn't want to be there because he believes that the Buffalo Bills missed their window of opportunities. Obviously, he came out and spoke on behalf of his team and was denying such reports like Stephon Diggs, who's getting paid by the Buffalo Bills, who's stuck in the city of Buffalo, who can't trade himself, is just going to come out publicly and admit Stephen A was right. He's telling the truth. I mean, I don't want to be there. Of course he wasn't going to do that. Of course he wasn't going to do that. But he might be willing to do it now. Because you see some tweets came out in the aftermath of the Buffalo Bills 24-22 loss to the Denver Broncos on their home turf last night, last night. Courtesy of a missed field goal by the Denver Broncos in the closing seconds by some dude named Will Lutz, who, by the way, got a second chance, a second bite at the apple because the Buffalo Bills had 12 men on the field. Instead of 11. Now you're practicing and practicing and practicing. You're professional athletes. You ain't amateurs. One would think that if you're a National Football League player, you can comprehend, you could deduce instructions from a coach. 
to know that there's supposed to be 11 people on the field, not 12. So to make such an egregious mistake is just embarrassing, but that is what happened. Nevertheless, got a second chance, kicked the field goal, they win it. But prior to that, the great Stefan Diggs, who I might add, as far as I'm concerned, was robbed in Minnesota years ago when he was the man there and everybody was trying to act like it was Adam Thielen, the other wide out. But he goes to Buffalo, and that's when Josh Allen elevated his level of play and was an absolute stud. That same Stephon Diggs, who's proven to be an all-world, all-pro receiver, that same Stephon Diggs, who was seen on the sidelines engaging in histrionics and going off because he couldn't believe how bad the team was playing and how Josh Allen and others didn't step up to the challenge against the Cincinnati Bengals in a divisional playoff game. That same Josh Allen, or sorry, Stephon Diggs, that was so ticked off, didn't want to talk to the media, that was so ticked off even months later, as months upon months passed, and he had to return to training camp, ended up showing up late, then didn't want to talk to his quarterback, nor the head coach, after he returned, because he was still salty about the loss. And what did I report? I said, yo, he believes it was an opportunity missed. He was believes it's an opportunity missed, and he don't want to be there any longer from what I'm hearing. Well, what happened last night on Monday Night Football? That man right there, at Trayvon Diggs, do you know who he is? If you know football, you know who he is. He's one of the best cornerbacks in the world. He happens to play for the Dallas Cowboys. He's on the injured list, suffered a season-ending injury. Season-ending leg injury just months ago. That same Trayvon Diggs is the brother of Stephon Diggs. And you saw what he said. Somebody got to get him up out of there. Man 14 got to get up out of there. That's what he said. Ladies and gentlemen, this isn't some distant relative you don't talk to. This isn't some distant relative or somebody that shares your bloodline that you never talked to, that's trying to gain some pub and some hype for themselves, using your name to be relevant. This is not only a contemporary and a brethren, but your brother who is also old world at his position, telling the American public, if not the football world, got to get my brother up out of there. Got to get him up out of there. That's what he said. And then he came back with an additional tweet on Tuesday morning, basically saying, yo, Josh Allen wasn't doing what he was doing until my brother got there. Why would he bring that up? I'll tell you why he brought that up. Because he was only targeted five times last night, Monday night. He only caught three passes for about 34 yards. During the first five games of the season, he was averaging over 114 yards and receiving yards per game. Over the last few games, that number has dipped to 62. That's nearly cut in half. Stephon Diggs is not going to be happy about that. And if you're in Buffalo, New York, you better win some damn games. What else is there to do there? It's a lot of snow, a lot of cold weather, blizzards. But it ain't exactly Vegas, you feel me? I mean, you got to win in Buffalo. There is no other reason to be there. No disrespect unless you want to, unless sightseeing Niagara Falls is a big, big thing to you. So Stefan Diggs is not happy, and we know this because his brother is saying so. Not figuratively speaking, as in brother, literally his blood brother, who's in the NFL along with him, who's a star in the NFL, just like he is, telling you, you got to get my brother up out of here. 
That's what's going on. And that's what we got to pay attention to. So all of these noise that was being made about yours truly, and Stephen A. don't know what he's talking about. Try to tell y'all, I've been a journalist for 30 years. I know I look good. I know I don't look like the typical journalist. You know what I'm saying? I mean, then now I got this studio as my backdrop. I mean, damn, life is good. But I'm still a journalist. I still get calls and text messages every day. I told y'all months ago, I didn't say Stephon Diggs once out of Buffalo. I said I was told Stephon Diggs don't want to be there. He feels they missed their window. And by the way, when I say he feels they missed their window, keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, you got Miami. You got the entire AFC North. You have Jacksonville. You have Houston in the AFC South. And you got the Chiefs in the AFC West. And the Chargers haven't completely disappeared from what this, from the whole playoff picture. So there you have it. Stephon Diggs is looking at that, and he's saying, damn, there's so many people better than us. Why should I believe that Josh Allen is going to be better than Tua Tungvaloa, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence, and now C.J. Stroud? And, oh, let's not forget Deshaun Watson in Cleveland because their defense is elite. They just finished beating Baltimore, and they got a chance to make some noise, too. Where's the hope? Clearly, it's not in Buffalo. Moving on to the very next subject that I wanted to touch on was Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. Now, for those who don't know, Jim Harbaugh plans to attend a court hearing this Friday regarding his three-game suspension because he was suspended in light of a sign-stealing scandal that has his program, and his name written all over it. For those who don't know, there's a former, now former employee from Michigan that was infiltrating sidelines and stealing signs and feeding it back to the program. The Big Ten acknowledged that while they're still looking into the matter, they have enough evidence to justify suspending Jim Harbaugh, clearly other coaches within the conference had their own agenda and they wanted Jim Harbaugh suspended. That is what happened. I made news about this subject because I contend it's not good enough. See, to me, it's not even about Jim Harbaugh right now. It's about the Michigan football program. And what I mean by that is they are one of the top two teams in the nation. Michigan, okay? You're thinking about, you can go with four and beyond Florida State, Alabama, Washington, Oregon, et cetera, Texas. Throw them in there too. But the top three teams in the nation are Georgia, Michigan, and Ohio State. Which means in all likelihood, barring a colossal failure for Michigan, whether they lose to Maryland this week or they lose to Ohio State to end the regular season, here's the reality. Michigan is likely going to be in the college football playoffs. And my contention is, how can that happen? I'm pulling up my phone because I'm looking for some notes here. Because I'm trying to figure out, how could you possibly justify putting Michigan in the college football playoffs if you don't have definitive evidence that states, hey, we're exonerating this program. They didn't engage in any sign-stealing scandal. 
The players didn't benefit from the knowledge that was being given to the coaching staff by a sign-stealing uh, a sign-stealing individual that was being employed by the program. By the way, in that picture, you see a Sharon Moore, this coach at Michigan that filled in for Jim Harbaugh when he was being suspended and he wasn't on the sidelines against Penn State. Sharon Moore is his name. Just as an aside, this black man up there crying like a little baby. I mean, what the hell was that about? Why are you walking around acting like Jim Harbaugh was incarcerated? Or he was fired? The man was suspended for three games. He's still allowed to be around the team all week long. He just doesn't get to sit on the sideline or stand on the sideline during game day for three weeks. And then after the three weeks are up, according to the ruling by the Big Ten, he gets to come back and coach the team. That's a worst case scenario. What the hell are you crying about? Why are you boohooing for? What's up with the tissue? Really? I mean, I'm just looking at this guy right now. I'm sorry, I got to get up because I can't do that with my new studio now. I can't do that right now. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at it and I'm saying to myself, what are the tears for? How did Michigan become a victim? How are they victims? Who stole signs against them? You got evidence? You ready to show it to us? The coach hasn't been fired. He's still getting paid. You're still getting paid, Sharon Moore. The players are still playing. My contention is you are about to go to the college football playoffs. And if you're doing that and there's the specter hovering over the program that you stole signs, everybody's talking about, oh, you beat Penn State. And if you beat Maryland and then you beat Ohio State, it's all good. It ain't good. Not if you cheated prior to that. If I stole and stole and stole for a year, if I sat up there and I was a damn thief, but all of a sudden I decide I'm going to behave myself and I'm not going to steal anymore. I have found the Lord and I'm going to behave myself from now on. But there's evidence that I committed crimes leading up to that. Guess what? I got to pay for the crimes. How do you not know that? See, on a show like this, is digital. I got a camera person behind me pointing to the camera, camera, camera. I understood you the first time, my brother. His name is Russ. I love him to death, but he doesn't have to keep pointing to the jib. It's not necessary. My point to y'all is, when you look at it from that perspective, we just got to be cool about certain things and stop acting like we don't know. Michigan, if you stole signs, what you stealing signs for? To gain an advantage. And while gaining that advantage, how could you possibly gain that advantage unless you gave it to the players to execute? It ain't like you kept it from the players. And if you're a player out there, excuse me, is it possible that you looked a little better than you even thought because you had an edge, because you knew what somebody was going to do, because the coach just told you to do this, do this, and do that? You went out there and did it. It's not your fault. You didn't cheat or anything. But if your coaches did, why do you belong in the postseason? And oh, by the way, for those that want to get at me because, oh, my God, we got to talk about the kids. What about the kids? What about the kids? And Michigan, don't they deserve this? They're telling, oh, my God, Stephen, how could you be so cruel? Well, who's playing at Florida State? How old are the kids playing at Washington? What about Alabama? What about Texas? What about Oregon? Who the, who the, hell, are, who the hell are these people? 40 and 50 year olds with children and mortgages and grandchildren, they're kids too. Let's remember that. Let's remember that.
Last thing I want to say is this. Jim Harbaugh, because apparently this was going on for a few years, and then Jim Harbaugh was on the verge of losing his job before this alleged, supposed, sign-stealing scandal elevated to the mind's eye of all of us watching college football. And over the last two years, Jim Harbaugh has won at uh, beating Ohio State at home and on the road. Oh, by the way, prior to that, he couldn't beat them. Couldn't beat them if they stole something from him. 2015, Jim Harbaugh goes up against Ohio State, loses 42 to 13. 2016, loses 30 to 27. 2017, loses 31 to 20. 2018, loses 62 to 39. 2019, 56 to 27. Jim Harbaugh, without question a great coach, was getting his ass kicked thoroughly. And his job was on the line. And then supposedly, this guy he hired started infiltrating sidelines and stealing signs, and suddenly Ohio State can't beat him. I wonder. I wonder. Just a nugget of information to throw out there. Last subject is Jimbo Fisher, now the former coach at Texas A&M. Um, here's all you need to know. We can go over his record because he tallied a 45 and 25 record, 27 and 21 in the SEC, by the way. Never winning more than nine games in a season. Um, Texas A&M Athletic Director Ross Bork said, after very careful analysis of all of the components related to Texas A&M football, I recommended to President Welsh and then Chancellor Sharp that a change in the leadership of the program was necessary in order for Aggie football to reach our full potential, and they accepted my decision. That was Texas A&M Athletic Director. Well, can I ask you for a favor, Mr. Bork? Could you do me a favor, please? Could you listen to Stephen A? I know you don't know me that well. I've spoken at the university twice. It's an immaculate university. It's very, very impressive. Clearly, there's oil money down there. As far as I'm concerned, y'all might, might, might have oil on campus. That's how much money y'all got. Pockets are deep, okay? You need to buy primetime Deion Sanders out of his contract and get that brother to the SEC. Primetime Deion Sanders is the man for that job. Not Bobby Petrino or one of those old hands that you're going to pluck from obscurity and bring them back into the fold. No, you need somebody who can recruit. You need somebody who can go out there and get some hogs for you, some dogs, because that's what they're missing in Colorado. See, if you watch Colorado this year, yeah, they started off being in TCU. They beat Nebraska. Of course, that game against Colorado State was epic and impressive and all of that stuff. And they've nosed out. They lost four, four straight. They haven't won in a month. We get all of that. Here's the reality. They were 1-11 last year. It's a miracle they won the games that they won. He's got about 86 new players on the squad. We get all of that. What he doesn't have is those, is, is those brothers, white and black and beyond, who eat hogs for breakfast. He don't have that. He don't have those meat and potato dudes with, with blubber all over the place, looking like Rasputin from the movie Norbit. He don't have those blocking for his running back and protecting his son at the quarterback position and giving him some time to throw. And don't get me started on the defensive side of the ball. He don't have that. 
That would not be a problem if he was at Texas A&M. You think that primetime Deion Sanders can't recruit against Nick Saban or Kirby Smart or Brian Kelly? You think he can? Why don't you try it? Why don't you try it? Let's not be comfortable, Texas A&M. You got immaculate facilities. You got a great faculty, great student body. You got all the money in the world. What you need is somebody to deliver. And since you could afford to pay Jimbo Fisher $76 million to walk the hell away, you can buy primetime Deion Sanders out of his contract with Colorado and get that brother to Texas A&M. If he did what he did to bring attention to Colorado in a matter of months to the point where it was more box office for television to watch Colorado at spring training more than watching Kirby Smart and the reigning two-time defending national champions at Georgia. Imagine if primetime Deion Sanders was at Texas A&M. If Deion Sanders has shown us nothing else, he has shown us give him the tools to get it done and he'll deliver. I believe in him. America believes in him. I know y'all do y'all own thing down there in Texas. But try getting that brother and see what it does for you. It at eights. SAS 5303 is the number to call up. It's 888-727-5303. That's the number to call into the Stephen A. Smith Show. We'll get to that a little bit later on in the show, but not before I get to a couple of other items involving the world of pop culture, not to mention the fact that I'm going to interview my man RG3. He's got a podcast coming out, but he obviously knows his football, both college and pros. He's got the credentials. We're talking about RG3, who's got credentials on the collegiate and the NFL level. NFL countdown, Monday night football, plus obviously a former star at Baylor. Got a lot of questions to ask. He obviously will have a lot of answers. RG3 with your boy, Stephen A. Smith, up next. Stick around. You're listening to the fresh new edition of the Stephen A. Smith Show. What shall I say? You're watching, aren't you? Back with more in a minute. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Welcome back to the Stephen A. Smith Show. It is an honor and a privilege to have my next guest right here with me right now. He is a Heisman Trophy winner, a National Football League Rookie of the Year, a Pro Bowl quarterback, most notably with the Washington Redskins, a person I believe would have been a superstar in the NFL had he had not almost had his damn leg decapitated for crying out loud. Okay, a rising media star in the business, I might add, working on ESPN's NFL Countdown. Obviously, he knows knows a thing or two about his college football as well uh, because he's an exceptional college football analyst. And now he is here with his own podcast, RG3 and the ones, the one and only RG3 himself, Robert Griffin III. What's up, Big Tom? How are you, man? How's everything? Hey, man, I'm doing good. How you doing? And you're the the one that's big time. Look at you with the new set and everything. I I, I appreciate that, man. Thanks so much. You like the suit. I want to make sure you like the suit because, I mean, after I saw you in that hot pink a couple of weeks ago, (laughs) I had to come up with something to fly knowing I was going to interview you, my brother. I had to know that. is on point, my brother. Man, listen, before <laughs> before we even get into your podcast, because I definitely want to talk about that, we were talking about a couple of things in the world of college football, and I know you do a lot of NFL, but obviously you're an exceptional college football analyst as well. 
First order of business is Michigan and what's transpiring there. I've been of the mindset that if you have an open investigation, if there's still allegations out there that are alive and still, you know, still gaining momentum about how this sign stealing scandal was legit and it gave Michigan an unfair advantage. My belief is if they went that far, then they right. shouldn't be in the college football players. Where do you stand on all of that? Now, you know, I respect you, Stephen, yes. but we don't always agree of course, of course. on our opinions. Right. And in this case, I feel like because this isn't anything criminal, mm -hmm. uh, the full investigation should take place. Now, I know that behind closed doors, there was a full investigation done beforehand mm -hmm. by a private investigator that was then dropped on the NCAA. But if you're the NCAA, who I know didn't make the decision on whether or not to suspend Jim Harbaugh, that was the Big Ten and they have their own set of rules and bylaws. Mm -hmm. I think that the full investigation from the NCAA should take place before we decide to punish anybody, right. whether it's the players, the coach, or anybody involved, because you want to have the full information mm -hmm. of what's going on before you make a decision like oh, that, because it does change people's lives. I, I swear to you, you're right about that, RG3. I'm not saying that they should suspend them or not even allow them to play in the college football playoffs. Now, I'm saying if it right. is found that they oh. were indeed sign-stealing I'm tired of people talking about the kids at Michigan. What about the kids at Alabama, Florida <laughs> State, uh, you know, Washington, Oregon, Texas? Yeah. Because yeah. somebody's going to miss out on one of those final four spots for the college right. football players. That's all I'm saying, RG3. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. The, the issue there becomes, like, how can you prove that they had uh, an advantage on the football field? Right. When I was in college football, uh, people were stealing signs all the time. Everybody does it. Really what the crux of the issue is, is whether or not Michigan broke the rules mm -hmm. to steal those signs. So if everyone's stealing signs and everyone's doing everything they can with all the signs on the sidelines and all the different guys giving signals on the sideline to keep a team off balance, how can you prove that it actually gave them an advantage on the football field? That to me is where the question comes into play. Mm -hmm. whether, whether they get disciplined or not, that will be by the bylaws of right. if they broke the rules. If they broke the rules, they're going to get disciplined. Gotcha. But I don't think that they should be eliminated from the college football playoff now or in the future because I don't think it's that big of a deal when it comes to the advantage on the football. Cool. I understand that. That makes a lot of sense. Transitioning to Jimbo Fisher for a second. Ooh. He lost his job at Texas A&M, finished 45 and 25 in his nine years there. You know, obviously didn't get the job done, but still walked away with a $76 million buyout. I mean, Lord have mercy, only in America, RG3, only in America. <laughs> I, I, first of all, did, was it time for him to go, number one? And number two, what do you think about my suggestion that primetime Deion Sanders needs to get the call and Texas A&M needs to buy him out of his contract in Colorado to bring him to Texas A&M? What are your thoughts? Yeah, Stephen, I'm, I'm not a guy that likes to call for guys' jobs. I, I'm very fond of Jimbo. Uh, you know, my wife is actually a Florida State Seminole, so okay. Jimbo was, was kind of instrumental in, in letting me get a chance to go out there and shoot my shot uh, at my wife, but that's still for the time. <laughs> and uh, so I appreciate, right. I appreciate right. Jimbo a right. lot. When you talk about A&M, he didn't do what they asked him to come there and do, mm -hmm. and they got impatient. When you're making that much money, there's going to be an increase of scrutiny on what you're doing and A&M was nowhere close to getting to a national championship. So in that regard, I understand why they did it. And me and you, we're in the wrong business, man, because $76 million not to coach? Not to coach. Not to coach. Not to coach. Come on, man. But your, your suggestion about Dion is one that I contemplated putting out there. Okay. The only reason I didn't put it out there was, was because of what he is doing at Colorado mm -hmm. and taking his son now to a third school with him right. to go and try to build a new roster, I think would be very difficult. 
But I do think at some point, a guy like Primetime would excel in the SEC, just like you said he would, with the amount of money that they'll pour into the program, the amount of guys that they'll be able mm-hmm. to get. Because mm-hmm. me and you both know this. He's struggling on the O&D line. No question. Colorado. No question. They can't protect his son, and they're not getting after the quarterback. At AM, that would not be the problem. I mean, these guys basically paid for like 17 five-star guys to just go to Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. So I'm not mad at it. And if he did it, I would completely understand it. So I'm full. I'm in full support with you on that one. Prime time to A&M would be amazing. I just don't know if it happens because of this. And you starred at Baylor, which is obviously <laughs> in Texas, for crying out loud. You know about them hogs down there in Texas, them meat potato brothers, brothers eating whole chickens for breakfast and stuff like that. I mean, that's the kind of brothers that he needs down there, RG3. That's the kind of brothers he needs. But, 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 but let me transition to you, man, because obviously you've got a podcast coming out. I want you to tell the world about it. RG3 and the Ones, and obviously it's produced by Wave Sports and Entertainment. Give them some props, no doubt about that. Those are some good brothers over there. Not to mention the fact that you're doing it on a weekly basis each Thursday, if I remember correctly. The inspiration behind this is what? Well, I mean, to be honest, Stephen A., you know, you've been a pioneer in this game for such a long time, and I've I've been able to learn and study guys like yourself and what they've been doing. And In this long-form format of a podcast, you get to get your full opinion out there. And you know how on TV, you got teammates that you're working with, and the segments don't always go as long as you want them to go. I know you don't have that much of an issue on first take because you guys get more space. But when you're on shows like Monday Night Countdown and Get Up, you don't have five, six, 20, 30 minutes to talk about something. Mm -hmm. So this is an opportunity for me to kind of go out and seek out the truth. And what I believe to be the truth in sports and how sports should be presented to the fan, celebrate that, celebrate mm-hmm. the athletes that we bring on. And at the end of the day, I want everyone that walks away from the show to take something from the show that can help them become one of those ones in their own life. Mm-hmm. And that's why I want you on the show as well, because of what you've been able to do. I'm coming. What you've been able to do is nothing short of amazing. And I want you to know that we appreciate that. And I know that there's a lot out there that gets said about the industry and, and, and how you change the industry and this, that, and the other. But the bottom line is you're one of one, and we want to have you and have that conversation on the show for sure. Well, you're one of my boys. That's considerate done. <laughs> I'm coming on. When you call me, I'll be there. Make no mistake about it. But I want to ask you this. You talked about just getting your truth out and speaking yep. your mind and having an opportunity to really, really elaborate extensively on the kind of things that you want to say. What I mm-hmm. would ask is, as a former athlete who's now in the industry, yep. how do you feel about the industry and the need to have podcasts like yours? Because you wouldn't be doing this if you didn't feel there was a need. Where do you, need, <laughs> where do you think the need lies and why do you feel it is so needed? Yeah, you know, I actually put out a tweet just the other day about how the industry uh, looks at Dak Prescott's interceptions and there's so much more scrutiny around that than they have around guys like Josh Allen, Mm. who has been a turnover machine really since 2018. Good point. point. Now, for me, I don't look at it and say, all right, well, the industry is bashing one guy, so I'm going to go bash another guy Mm -hmm. unfairly just because this is happening. I do understand that Dak Prescott plays for the Dallas Cowboys. And that comes with more scrutiny. But for me, what I see in the industry is there's an inherent negativity about these guys and these players. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it can, it can spill over into the fans. Mm. When, when you look at the NFL in particular, only 0.2% of high school football players make it to the NFL. Right. So these brothers, they're really good at what they do. Mm-hmm. We have to celebrate that 
And I think that the industry at times has gone away from giving constructive criticism Mm -hmm. and giving just criticism. So I felt like that's the only reason I'm doing this right now. I don't do this for the money. I do it for fun. I took care of my NFL money. Thank God. Family squared away. So I do this because I feel like guys' stories need to be told the right way. And there's been times when our industry has shifted away from that and just to try to say the wildest thing possible Mm -hmm. so we can get clicks and get mentions and get views. So that's why I joined in and that's why I wanted to do the podcast because I have an opportunity to set the record straight. I'm wondering what level of culpability does, and I'll ask this question to you as a former star athlete. I've asked it to Ryan Clarks, my man Swagu, Marcus Smith. One of the greatest honors I have by doing my day job at ESPN is I get to be friends with all of y'all. We're all brothers and we talk to each other and I didn't play football, so y'all teach me the game and I know when to fall back. But one of the things that I get on guys about is that as a professional journalist in the end, a right. lot of times y'all don't distinguish the journalist from the right. blogosphere. The blogosphere goes out there and they do exactly what you're saying. But you have journalists that dot I's, cross T's, and make sure that their commentary is balanced. Even when I'm criticizing the Cowboys, I make sure everybody knows I'm trolling them. I'm having fun. I'm not pretending to be something, but I really got another agenda. When I'm having fun, (laughs) I say so. When I'm trolling, I say so. When I'm serious, I say so. What is it about Mm y'all, meaning people like yourself and others who are former professional athletes, where you believe that an audience should embrace a level of trust or, or extend a level of trust in you because one could argue, not you personally, but former right. athletes are going to be so protective because of what you've had to yeah. shield yourself from. Your yeah. objectivity comes into question. How do you combat that? Yeah, yeah. So what I would say to you is that I had an experience with C.J. Stroud, right? Young brother. He's playing like a top five quarterback in the NFL yes, right now. Balling out. Yes. I had an experience with C.J. last year where I was doing the Heisman list every week. And CJ was always on the list, but he was never number one. Mm. So I ran into CJ at the Heisman dinner before the with the Heisman finalists, and he he was like a little upset. Wow! So he comes to me and we're talking about it, and he and he basically tells me like, "Hey man, uh, I should have been number one on the list. I've been doing all this, 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 this." And I and I talked to him. I said, "CJ, you were on the list, right?" So for me. There's going to be an inherent feeling from every athlete that you talk about, Stephen A., where they're going to be upset about something that you said because you didn't say they were the greatest thing since sliced bread. Right. I understand that. It's when you get into things like he's garbage. Right. He's terrible. He couldn't do this. And it's like some of that is entertainment. Mm -hmm. And you're one of the best in the world at entertaining, like hands down. And I think I think you do know that. And you've built that reputation. People love to watch you. But when it comes to when that stuff starts to creep into the journalistic part of it, mm-hmm. when now they're writing that type of stuff, mm. I, I, I encourage you to go go read some of the articles that get put out, even by media that covers certain teams. Right. Right. And, and look at the innate negativity within the article that could have been taken out. Mm-hmm. Right. For me, I think for us as analysts, as former players, not making it personal mm-hmm. is all we want from the media. I'm in the media now. Right. right. So I have to give my constructive criticism and tell them when they're playing bad. Mm-hmm. And not everybody likes that, but that's OK. Mm-hmm. As long as I don't make it personal and attach something to a guy's name that now is going to 
carry on with him for the rest of his career, mm-hmm. that's where I think, all right, well, now this is where I can understand the players. Getting you, you absolutely have a point there because I remember, man, I'm still dealing with stuff from Kwame Brown to this day for crying out loud. <laughs> and, and don't get me wrong. I meant what the hell I said when I said it. The problem is, RG3, I didn't know that 15, 16 years later, it was going to be a meme and he was going to be on podcasts like The Pivot and other places saying I cost him endorsement deals. I didn't know that stuff. I didn't realize it. So now I guard myself with it. But in the same breath, I also want to make sure that everybody understands. I believe the listener, the viewer, et cetera, has a degree of intelligence where they understand if we're saying somebody put forth a trash performance, we're talking about him versus his contemporaries. We're not talking about him versus somebody like us. So I'm asking, do you have to guard what you say in such a literal way that you strip people from the awe factor or the wow factor or the shock factor? Because it all comes with a level of entertainment. How do you believe that gets balanced in our industry? Yeah. No, I think you, I think you're hitting the head, you know, the nail right on the head there. There is an awe factor and and a, and a showmanship that comes with a lot of the shows that we do, right? At ESPN, whether it's First Take, which you I know you'll you've said it many times, number one show for feels like twenty years, yeah. but it's I don't know how many years. Twelve, 12, twelve years. Twelve. Twelve. It's twelve years. 12. It'll be First twelve and eight, right? Yes. You you've done an amazing job of of bringing that in. I think when it comes to Calling a guy trash, like I think Kwame's, Kwame Brown's point is is legit. It yeah, costs it him deals. It costs him things. So it's like, okay, he was trash. Now how can he get better? Right. He was trash on that day. How can he get better? Right. James Harden did this that day, but how can he get better? How can he make the team better? And I think that's the next level. The fan, the lowest common denominator. Mm-hmm. Fans feel like everybody should get fired, and this guy should do that, and this guy should do that. But we got to be able to tell them with our expertise. You got a lot of it over the years, especially in basketball. Right. Hey, this was really bad. It was trash. It was terrible. This well, is how they can get better. And this is how they can utilize them. I think we owe that to the fan. Right. Because when we just leave it at trash, right. that's the only thing the fan remembers. And I guess for me, what I would argue about, the only pushback that I would give is that I say it, but then I'd right. make sure there's an RG3 and a Ryan Clark and the Shannon that Sharp can, and that others that, that yeah. point that out as well. And so, yeah. you know, because sometimes y'all are saying that everybody <laughs> ain't as nice as RG3. I've seen Ryan Clark eviscerate dudes. Don't get me started with Shannon and Swag Goo, even Kimberly Martin and Mina Kimes and everybody. I mean, make no mistake about it, but you're absolutely right. And I do think there's an elevated level of responsibility, which is why I've said to people I've had regrets about how I termed. Kwame Brown in the past. Had I known it would happen like that, I said, I I apologize. I didn't mean for all of that to happen. So I do guard myself in this day and age and having a podcast I think is incredibly important. Do you believe that you're going to be able to pull off a level of success in terms of influencing other people to conduct themselves the way that you will and the way you hope they will? And if so, how do you think that's going to benefit you and your podcast? Stephen A., I would say that it, it's, I'm, I don't think enough of myself to think that I can change the industry by myself. Right. Um, but I do think that with what I try to do in motivation on my own platform is inspire people to take that first step, right? Just because you can't change the whole world with the way that you act doesn't mean that you can't change one individual person's life, right. one independent individual person's world. So for me, that's kind of the mindset I'm taking towards this. I want to be able to grow this in a way 
that is is fun for the listener. They actually they get to learn something. We're going to voice our displeasure and we're going to talk about what someone's not doing right. But I'm not going to give up on the industry as a whole to say, ah, man, they're all they're by themselves. I'm going to be different. Now I'm trying to bring people along with me. And you're right. We have some of our contemporaries, some of our colleagues that eviscerate guys. And, and that's the way that they decide to break through. I haven't decided to break through that way. And, and because of it and having that be the counteract to some other people, I feel like that's why I have been able to grow in this game. And I remember, I remember in 20, I think it was 20, whew, 2018. Okay. I came to first take with you. Yeah. And, and you specifically told me, you said, man, when you're done playing, you're going to be a star in this game. And I took that to heart and I appreciate you saying that about me. And I, I really do appreciate working with you at ESPN and, and doing this kind of stuff as well. No doubt about it. As you reflect, before I let you get on out of here, you reflect on your career, where right. you are now, where you were. Mm-hmm. How much did the narratives about you, particularly mm-hmm. coming out of Washington, being close with former owner Daniel Snyder, and I know that you didn't know a lot of the nonsense that we all later found <laughs> out. So I'm certainly not holding you accountable, but I'm just talking about the right. communication. We was the owner of the franchise, obviously, in Washington, right. and you were the star rookie quarterback. The right. narratives that were written about you, whatever they may mm-hmm. be in your career, how much did that influence you sitting where you're sitting today, not just on ESPN, but with this podcast, RG3 and the Ones? How much did that influence, that experience influence <laughs> you to be in this position? And is there anything specific that stood out that made you say, oh, I'm definitely going to get into the business because I can't stand <laughs> these damn narratives that are being put out about me? Yeah, I would say that... Um Almost 100% of those narratives after my rookie year, because if you remember my rookie year, everything was golden, right? I, I, had more, I had more commercials my rookie year than I had my second and third years or fourth years in the league. Wow. Um, but because we were winning, it wasn't a problem. And it was like once we started losing, then all the narratives started coming out and it was a lot of backbiting going on between the owner and the head coach. And a lot of the stuff that was said wasn't true. Okay. Uh, and I won't get into all of that, but what I will say is that everything I went through in my career um, I never thought I'd be doing this, Stephen A. When we, when we saw each other in 2018 and I came and I did the car wash at ESPN, I had no desire to do TV. I had no desire to do TV in 2021 when I, when I was a free agent after playing with the Ravens. Um, but my broadcast agent told me, hey, go do this audition and it'll work out for you. I think you'll be great at this. And ESPN and Fox were, were blown away with the audition. And that let me know at that point, like maybe this is what God is calling me to do. Calling me to come in and be able to tell guys stories the right way because mine wasn't. And those guys don't get, deserve to get punished in the same way that I did or have their careers hurt in the same way that I did. So I don't, poli- I don't try to police everybody. I've had moments where I've gotten upset with certain guys about certain things and yep. called them out about it. Yep. But you know this, you can't police everybody. Right. We're way too busy doing all the things that we're doing to go out there and try to check every single individual. Only thing we can do is try to make an impact the way that we can make an impact. Got you. Before I let you get on out of here, man, I need rapid fire quick answers to these questions. Okay. okay. CJ Stroud, rookie of the year? Oh, uh, 100%. MVP? He is in my top five. Top five? Yes, he's number five in my top five. Give me the other four. Right other now. Other four would be A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill, um, Tua Tungabailoa, Dak Prescott at four. Dak Prescott! And then, and then CJ Stroud. Dak, yeah, Pres- Dak Prescott. Dak, Dak, Dak Prescott? Dak. Come on now. The MVP? And, and a MVP. league MVP? Did you watch him against San Francisco? I watched him against San Francisco. Did you watch what happened against San Francisco? Did you watch him against Arizona? 
Yes, there's one. You're talking about one game. That's true. Over I just the, gave over, you. Over the past four games for Dak Prescott, he's got 12 oh touchdowns. My Lord. He's oh got my. a passer rating of 125. And two of them was against the New York Giants, who don't even resemble just, an NFL team. I'm just, I'm just saying, they're in, they in the NFL, ain't they? All right. They in the NFL. Buffalo so I'm Bills. giving Dak Prescott his flowers right now. He's playing at a super high level, and he's proven right. that he is him. All he's right. always been that way. Oh, no problem. Moving on. Buffalo Bills. Ken Dorsey loses his job as offensive coordinator. Yeah. Did he deserve that? Right. He did not. He was not the problem. Um, you know, the question I ask for you is, is he fired if they make that field goal? Because if he's not fired if he makes that's that field fair. goal, that's they fair. make that field goal, or they miss the field goal, I mean, then, then why is he fired today? Could it be because somebody's head had to roll? Could it be because Stephon Diggs is not happy and somebody's head had to roll? Say what? Stephon Diggs ain't happy and somebody's head had to roll. <laughs> you wanted me to repeat it, I repeated it. <laughs> oh, <let's> just, <laughs> all right, okay, just, I got it, I got let's, it. Let's just, let's just say that uh, he was not the problem, but right. when you're if they miss the playoffs, man, it's they're gonna be some more heads rolling for show. Biggest threat in the AFC to the Kansas City Chiefs, reigning Baltimore Ravens. They just lost. I know they just lost to the right. Cleveland Browns, Baltimore Ravens, because they're they are dominant mm-hmm. when they when they're playing at their highest level. There's not a team in the league that can beat them. Top team in the NFC, Philadelphia, San Francisco, Dallas, yeah. or the Detroit Lions? Yeah, I know. Everybody wants to say Detroit, but it's still Philly. Philly has been winning games all year uh, when they're not at full strength. Jalen Hurts isn't at full strength, and they keep finding ways to get it done. Passing game, running game, defense is going to get better. Their defense has not been great so far this right. year. So I, I think with, with Jason Kelsey and the boys up front, mm. they're, they're the best team in the NFC. Coach of the year. Ooh, that's an easy God. one, RG three. It's an easy one. Who you who you think it is? D'Amico, D'Amico Ryan's Houston. You think it's easily D'Amico Ryan's because easily five and four. I would say at the halfway point of the year, D'Amico Ryan's is easily coach of the year. Okay, I, I would say that. I I, I, do, I still think that Mike McDaniel will win it. Okay, in Miami, but halfway through, D'Amico for sure. Well, he's six and three. D'Amico's five and four. He might win the AFC South. Uh, with a rookie quarterback throwing for damn near 5,000 yards. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing that I'm just, out. I'm, I'm just with saying. you. I'm not RG3. hating on the brother. I think he's doing it great. RG3 and the Wands are Wave Sports and Entertainment. That's who's producing it, coming on every Thursday. Go ahead. Finish and give you the last word, buddy. Appreciate you, dog. I got, I got a question for you, fam. Please. All right? You talking about how you love Latino women. Uh, I do. Okay. I mean, you I mean, I mean I, my, my woman's not a Latino. I love her dearly, but she, she you know I ain't going to deny, you know, <laughs> what I see. I mean, I'm not blind. I just, I'm just blind. saying what I see, you know. So are you in a relationship right now? Yes, I am. Oh, okay, Stephen A. Yes, yes, I am. See, so, so you, you talk about how it's a little harder to date in today's age, you know what I'm saying? And, you not know, hard for, for me. I was just talking about the American public. I mean, I'm fine. Not, not I'm for fine. you, because you, you got it like that. I mean, I'm in a good spot. I'm good. Life is good. Life, life is good. Is good. good. That's, that's good to hear. See, so yeah. now that since you're in a relationship, I'm going to go ahead and let it go. Because you was talking about Latino women. No, I was, thinking I was just talking about to, what I see and the fact that I'm not you blind up with, and my you know, eyes have like, been better and all of that other stuff. I mean, there's nothing wrong with noticing beauty. If you can notice exceptional play of professional athletes and how they play the game of basketball, football, and stuff like that, you can certainly notice the beauty on the opposite side. So, so is marriage on the horizon for you? That's none of nobody's business. I'm pleading the fifth on that. I'm pleading fit. Get the hell out of here, man. Go do your damn podcast. <laughs> RG3 of the ones, man. I'll talk to you later. Appreciate you, dog. One love, baby. Back with more of the Stephen A. Smith Show in a minute. We all know how much of a hassle buying a car can be. 
You spend so much time driving around trying to find the perfect car, negotiating over the price and worrying about the quality of the vehicle. But not anymore. Thanks to Vroom. Vroom is the better way to buy and sell used cars. When you go to Vroom.com, you can shop thousands of cars right from your phone. They have all the popular makes and models and no haggle pricing. You so you know you're getting a good deal. Best of all, they'll deliver your new ride directly to you. Vroom stands by its vehicles, too. Every car and truck from Vroom goes through a thorough inspection and reconditioning process and comes with a 90-day limited warranty. On top of that, you have seven days or 250 miles, whichever comes first, to make sure it's the car for you. And if you don't love it, you can return it. You can also sell or trade in your current car on Vroom, and they'll pick it up for free. Just answer a few questions about your car on the Vroom website, and you'll get an offer in as little as two minutes. You have no obligation to sell, so there's nothing to lose. So whether it's buying your next car, selling or trading in your current one, Vroom has you covered. So start shopping today at Vroom.com. That's Vroom.com. Welcome back to the Stephen A. Smith Show right here over the digital airways with YouTube coming at you at the very least every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Thanks again to my man RG3 for being on the show. Much appreciated. Much love to him. Much success is in his future. Make no mistake about it. As a colleague of his, I can tell you, the brother knows what he's doing. He's a tremendous talent, and I got a lot of love for him. I want to transition to the world of pop culture and entertainment. And, you know, usually I don't like to have notes. I can speak extemporaneously and off the fly. But I'm going to grab my notes for some of this stuff right here. And the reason I'm going to grab my notes, ladies and gentlemen, because I want to make sure. I want to make sure that I'm reading the BS that I'm reading, okay? And as we venture into the world of pop culture and entertainment, you know, I'm not going to call myself the love doctor, but let's just say this. As a brother that I uh, was raised, by five women, 90 of my living relatives, 90% of my living relatives were females, okay? Obviously, that's dwindled over the years. They've gotten older. Some of them have passed away. God rest their wonderful souls. I've been raised by women all my life. And so a lot of times we're talking about certain issues, and I feel compelled to give a male perspective. That doesn't mean I'm going to always favor the men. But I do feel that after Oprah took over for decades and did what I believe to be, I'm getting emotional right now, dare I say unfair to men, I feel that somebody's got to even the scales to some degree. We in year 2023. Why not? Why not? I got women working for me on my show, you know. And so they help put some of this stuff together for me so it ain't just my fault. Their name is Sherry. She's one of those people. She's guilty too. She's guilty. Okay? Samantha, my sister, oh yeah, she's a troublemaker. She's a troublemaker. Now, she, you don't see, you don't hear about her, okay? I got, I got all of these people. Arnell, don't forget her. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Wait, the, Betty? Uh, uh, you don't know the half. I got women around me, alright? Educating me, trying to reel me in and stuff like that because they all Oprah-fied. All of them. But it ain't going to work because there's certain times that stuff got to be addressed. Ladies and gentlemen, did you see this story about Khloe Kardashian and Tristan Thompson? Saw that movie, Think Like a Man. Remember that scene where my brother, one of the great, great actors, Michael Ely, pointed out Steve Harvey's a traitor? because we were talking about the book and some of the things that he revealed. I'm not going to go there. We see this beautiful picture of her. A lot of work done. Good, beautiful picture. Beautiful picture. Anyway, this brother, a champion, a former NBA player, 
Again, a champion. LeBron James' former teammate. That guy is sitting on national television talking about how he cheated. And I want to make sure I read this quote. Uh, uh, he sits down with Chloe's family members. Okay, that would mean Kim, Courtney, Mama, Mama Kardashian, all of them. To discuss his past infidelity. Quote, when I cheat, I feel disgusting the next day. Chloe asked him, so then why do you do it again? We didn't see the answer to that. But Mario Lopez, y'all know him, okay? This guy comes out and he sits up there and he says, when I cheat, my guy is saying it like it's a weekly occurrence. Ha ha, you know, he hosts, he hosts extra and all of that stuff. Mario Lopez is absolutely right. Tristan Thompson, first of all, you talk about when I cheat. First of all, you're incriminating yourself, you're just embarrassing yourself. Secondly, you're embarrassing yourself by being on the damn show because you're a grown man who was a professional athlete, he was an NBA player and a champion. What the hell are you doing on the show to begin with? That's another matter altogether. By the way, if you're with the Kardashian family and stuff like that, I know you got two kids together. Did you ever think your kids could be watching? Did you really, really want to publicize to the world how you cheated? Why can't that be? If I could tell Jada to shut the hell up and stop telling her personal business, I damn sure could say it to you. Fair is fair. But Mario Lopez is right. You saying it like it's a weekly occurrence. So in other words, when I cheat, you know what that means, right? You didn't say cheated. Should I put you in English class? You didn't say cheated. You said when I cheat. In other words, I'm doing it now. Damn. Think, brother, how stupid can you be? That's just not smart. It's just not smart. And just as an aside, those Kardashians are making some money. You're not. Not to the degree that you once did. So, if anybody should stop cheating, you might want to think it should be you. Just a thought, my brother. Just a thought. Another story I want to move on to because this is important. We don't, I see the love. We've seen enough of Chloe. Okay. We got to get to the next story because Jeannie Buss is making news. Now, I have to say this. I know Jeannie Buss. Chairman of the board, runs the Los Angeles Lakers, most storied basketball franchise in history. Some would say the Boston Celtics. No, it's not. It's the Los Angeles Lakers. But it's neither here nor there. What I would tell you is this. Jeannie Buss is absolutely a wonderful, wonderful woman. I love her to death. Jay Moore, funny, I remember him from Jimmy, Jerry Maguire. Remember him? He was, the, he was the bad agent going up against Tom Cruise and Jerry Maguire. He's funny, too. Good actor as well. Good people. Happy for them. They got married and stuff like that. And they publicized that they're living in separate quarters. Same building. She's on the third floor. He's on the first floor. Somebody's living on the second floor. That's not related to either one of them. And she can get in a robe and her slippers or whatever. They can go to the elevator, go up the elevator, go down the elevator. They can choose to get the freak on. They can choose to be quiet. They can choose to huddle with one another, snuggle with one another. All of that good stuff. And they were making the point that they don't necessarily Spend the night in the same bed. Now, if you're Jay Moore, 
Here's what I wanted to say, because Jeannie Buss gave the politically correct quote. We're at the same address. We live in a building that has three units. I live on the top floor. He lives on the first floor. You know, uh, we don't really want to change anything because I like my space. and I have my schedule and he likes his space. and He has his schedule. Yeah, that sounds right and nice. But if you want the truth, once again, the fellas incriminated themselves. This is Jay Moore. This is not me. When you're home alone in your bed, it's like guys are gross. We just make sounds like we sweat. The sheets get all wrinkly and weird. It's like, ah, just let us sleep like a princess or a Barbie still in the box. She doesn't need to be subjected to me and my wrestling sweatpants just belching in my sleep. See, that's lies. That's lies. He left out the fact that he farts. Now, I know that nobody wants to admit that. Fellas, when we're in bed, it ain't the belching that we do. We pass gas. Tell the truth. We pass gas, okay? And, and ladies, if you want to know how you can tell a man passing gas, you ever wonder why you're laying in bed with your dude and for some reason he just feels the need to get up? Yeah, what about that? I'm talking, and then he goes, but he didn't go to the bathroom. Or he went to the bathroom, but you don't hear nothing happen. You don't hear anything happening. He didn't take a leak. He ain't sitting on the toilet. What the hell he went to the bathroom for? It's because he farted. And it's one of those quiet ones. The quiet ones and the air just sifts out. And then all of a sudden you leave and then her nose start twinkling like, what the hell is that? And you have plausible deniability because you laugh. That's what we do. Now, I don't do that that much anymore. But I used to, I have to admit, when I was that skinny fat, like I showed you on the last show, and I was 208 pounds, but most of it was in my belly and all of that stuff before I got myself in shape. Oh, yeah, I was passing a lot of gas. That's what he's saying. See, he ain't telling that. When you got dudes that want to be alone, it's because of nasty habits. That's the truth. And that's what you need to know. The brother will pass and gas. He ain't belching and burping. Dudes don't have no problem with that. You turn your face, you belch, you turn right back around. You get some water or whatever and make sure that air don't get it done. You good. But when you pass gas, there's no escaping that. It rooms. That's what he was talking about. And you can't be with Jeannie Buss passing gas. She got too many options to stick around that. Anyway. I want to get to a more serious subject here for a particular second because Marlon Wayans, who's a star, comedian, friend of mine, I know him. He recently spoke out about how he has a kid. He's 51 years old. He was recently on The Breakfast Club with Charlemagne the God and DJ Envy. Um, and the actor slash comedian, a member of the Wayans family, who we all should reveal for the great work they've done spanning decades, even back to the days of the living color and beyond with Keenan Ivory Wayans. He's a father of two, Marlon Wayans I'm talking about here. He has a daughter that transitioned into a son, he said. My daughter, Amai, is now Kai. He talked about what the experience was like for him as a parent and how he plans to address it in an upcoming comedy special, potentially named Rainbow Child. And he says here, my transition as a parent going from ignorance and denial to complete unconditional love and acceptance. He said of his idea for the special, adding that he hopes opening up will help other families 
through similar situations. I just got off the phone with him a few minutes ago. I just called, let them know that I wanted to lend my support to him from the standpoint that as a parent, we got to take a moment to remind ourselves of the importance of love. When you're from the streets and you, you're a dude from the streets, you don't expect to have to deal with challenges like this. We ain't going to call it problems because that's one of the things that's a negative stereotype. We all don't need that. There's enough hate going on in the world. There's enough animosity and vitriol and all of these uncomfortable elements that you want to throw into the equation. We don't need that anymore because when it comes to your own child, at the end of the day, the first obligation before anything else, before providing for them, before protecting them, the first order of the day is to love them. It's the first thing. And the reality is, is that his daughter transitioning to being a son is something as a dad he had to learn to live with. He's not denying the fact that it's a challenge or it was a challenge and it's not something that was easy for him to deal with. He's acknowledging and accepting it. And I can't wait till he comes out with that comedy special about it because I think it's going to be important. But the most important thing for all of us to understand is that he's a parent. And when you are a parent, in the end, it has to be about your love for your child being more powerful, more potent, more impactful than anything else you do. Because if you can't find it in your soul and in yourself to love your child unconditionally, you can't love anything nor anybody unconditionally. That's essentially what he's saying. And the importance of that outweighs everything. And it's because of that, that me, you, and everybody else should support Marlon Wayans and his quest to elevate the level of acceptance and understanding that people who think differently than us, who act differently than we would act, who are different than what we are, can be easier to embrace. Because love heals everything no matter what we want to say. Last but not least, Lil' Kim. This girl made a statement because she's got an upcoming memoir that she claims would outsell the Bible. This is the Bible. This is a quote. When we post our pre-sales, we'd be surpassing the Bible, the Queen Bee said during a recent Instagram live session. And that's crazy. And the thing is, it's like the Bible. Like, I don't take that lightly. I already know that. But it's like some crazy shit going on behind the scenes. It's a candid memoir that was announced in 2021 at the time the hip-hop icon noted that she's excited to finally get to tell her story after all of this time. Clearly, it will include the notorious B.I.G. Biggie. Lord knows who else it will include. You know what I take from this? Outside of the fact there ain't no way in hell she's outselling the Bible because the Bible, according to the Guinness World Record books, the Christian Bible is the best-selling book of all time. Research published by the British and Foreign Bible Society in 2021 claims that the total number probably lies between five and seven billion copies. You ain't pulling that off, little kid. You ain't pulling that off. She will sell some copies. I just hope it ain't for the reasons where she's telling all her business. And she's telling all everybody else's business. If you want to tell your business, that's fine. As long as it doesn't do harm to other people. That's the way I look at it. Maybe I'm alone, but I doubt it.
Back with your calls and more in a minute to listening live to the Stephen A. Smith Show. Or shall I say, you're watching. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? Welcome back to the Stephen A. Smith Show over the digital airwaves. YouTube coming at you at the very least every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I hope y'all are enjoying my new studio. As you can see, um, it's pretty fly. And guess what? I'm not even finished yet. It's gonna get even better in the days to come. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. As promised, before I close out every single show, I'm going to end it with callers from you, from you guys, okay? I'm not running from anybody. I'll take messages over social media, but I love the phone calls. I love that live phone call situation going on here where I'm communicating exactly with the callers, you understand, and the listeners and the viewers. So here we go. Let's go to the lines. Let's go to Andrew in Massachusetts. Andrew, you're live with Stephen A. What's up, man? Hey, Stephen A., how are you? I'm doing great. Talk to me. Yeah, so I just had a question. So I'm a huge Celtics fan. I know, obviously, you picked them to come out of the East. Yes, I did. Everyone in my office thinks I'm crazy that I think they could go 74-8. and I think they're that good. What are your thoughts? I think that this is the best starting five. I'm 27 in my lifetime. I don't know if you'd agree with that or... Hell no, I wouldn't agree with that. The best starting five in your lifetime. Well, first of all, how old are you again? You're 27? 27. Yeah, you're a baby. You're wet behind the ears. Breath smelling like Similac. Of course it would be the best start five in your lifetime. You don't know any better. You understand when Jordan and Pippen were playing together, you were a toddler. So, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Excuse me. Don't interrupt me when I'm talking to you. I'm trying to make your point here. I'm trying to help you, okay? But I would say to you, I would say to you, Andrew, you know, listen, um, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum is a superstar in this league. Jalen Brown's a star. Chris Stapps, Porzingis, it's nothing to sneeze at. I got that. Al Horford is a savvy veteran. We get all of that. Derek White can ball. Drew Holiday, I believe, is a future Hall of Famer. I get your point. But the greatest starting five ever? No. Not only that, you ain't going 74 and 8 because you got to understand during the course of a regular season, 82 games, you know, youth comes into play, meaning guys take nights off. They get distracted. It's late night. They're hanging out. They're not interested, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, the Boston Celtics recently lost to the Philadelphia 76ers. Getting ready to go up against them Wednesday night in Philly. By the way, I expect to be at that game. But the bottom line is you losing eight games, that means you're going to be a better team than the Golden State Warriors were when they went 73-9. and nine. Ain't no way in hell that's happening. You do understand that, Andrew, don't you? You don't have the bench for that. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely an issue, but you would agree, though, like the last 27 years of my life, like one through five, I think the Warriors were a better team, but I'm saying like one through five, everyone's either all defense or an all-star. Yeah, Even no, with the Warriors, you didn't have that. Yeah, well, well, but, but Warriors, the Warriors couldn't shoot the ball like these brothers. As good as they can shoot, they ain't the greatest shooting backcourt in the history of basketball. They don't have the greatest shooter God has ever created. I mean, let's not get that far now. I get it. The starting five is legit. It's lethal. I understand that. That's why I got the Celtics coming out of the East, even though Milwaukee is nothing to sneeze at. The bottom line, Damian Lillard and, 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 and the Greek freak Giannis Antetokounmpo, they're going to need a lot from Book Lopez. They're going to need a lot from Bobby Portis and the rest of those guys. It's a question mark right now. It just is. But I appreciate the call, man. Nate in Alabama. You're live with Stephen A. What's up, Nate? Talk to me. What's going on, Stephen A.? Talk to me. What's up, man? How are you? Hey, what's up? Hey, I just got a, a quick question. Mm-hmm. All right, so I think, I personally think Caleb Williams the best thing to come through L.A. since LeBron. So 
is Caleb Williams the best QB prospect? Not player, but prospect of all time. I don't know and, about all time. But, I don't know. Do you mean the best QB prospect of all time? I mean, of all time? Yeah, like coming out of college. Uh, so, 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 in other words, so, in other words, better than a better prospect than Peyton Manning? Yes, of course. Of course. Why would you say, of course? He's a close. He, he, he's Pat Mahomes, but he's still in college right now. He's playing like Pat Mahomes. If his defense wasn't the, the 132nd ranked defense in the country. Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams, here's what I would say to you, Nate. Caleb Williams is a bad brother. There's no doubt about that. Um, but we have to take into account how UCLA is looking. I understand their defense hasn't gotten it done, but he still has an opportunity to stop the bleeding. That didn't necessarily take place. I know he's a bad brother. He's a Reigns Heisman Trophy winner. He's something special, no doubt about that. But the only way to accurately answer that question, even though the word prospect is what you prefaced it with, is if you see what he does on the next level to some degree. Because when we measure these guys coming out of college, one of the reasons we applaud and, 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 uh, their greatness is because of what we saw them do on the next level, too, because they validated it. And that's what I think you have to pay attention to, Nate. I don't think you could go anywhere around it. I, I get where you're coming from. Caleb Williams is that dude. He's something special. You also got to take into account the level of competition that he goes up against. Did you go up against Georgia? Did you go up against Alabama? Have you gone up against Michigan's defense? These are the kind of things that people are going to ask about because it's the level of competition that you're performing against as well. They ain't Colorado or Colorado State or Utah or somebody like that, even though Utah is nothing to sneeze at. Okay? That's different level. That's extra level stuff. And Caleb Williams is going to have to do it against them as well. You feel me? Yes, sir. So where, where would you have him ranked within, like, the last genera generation of prospects? I haven't thought like, about that. Give me some time to think about that. I would tell you I got him as one of the top prospects. I'll give you that. He, ain't, he Listen, he's better than most. I think he's better than anybody coming out of USC. I can tell you that much. Would you take him or Trevor Lawrence or Joe Burrow if you had a number one pick and they was all You said out him? Joe Burrow, who was the middle name? Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Oh. I would tell you that's a hard pick. It depends on what I need. If I need a dual threat, I'm going with him. If I need a pure pass, I'm going with Joe Burrow. I appreciate the call, man. Let's go to Ronnie in Buffalo, New York. You're live with Stephen A. What's up, Ronnie? How are you? Hey, Stephen A. Thanks for taking my call, man. My Big pleasure. My, my question is regarding Bill Belichick in New England. Given the sort of lack of success that he's had without Tom Brady, what do you think this means? Or you know, what do you think it says about his legacy going forward? Well, his legacy is tarnished. And I appreciate the call, Ronnie. Thank you so much. But his legacy, Bill Belichick's legacy is tarnished because it's not that he's losing now. He's a six-time champion as a head coach with two additional titles as a coordinator. That's not the issue. The issue against Bill Belichick is the fact that you, you expedited the exit of Tom Brady. I mean, who's right. a son to the local area. That's what you did. That's what you're synonymous with. If Tom Brady had retired on his own after this season as a New England Patriot or what have you, and Bill Belichick was having these struggles, everybody would forgive him. Everybody would understand. Nobody would be worried about it at all. And everybody, everything would be copacetic. The problem is, is that Bill Belichick expedited his exit. I can do fine without him. We don't need to move on. I want Jimmy Garoppolo to be the heir apparent to a Tom Brady. That was what Bill Belichick did, and he didn't want to kiss the proverbial ring of Tom Brady because he had six of his own. And so his attitude right. was, I'm just as if not more responsible for the championships than you are. Why the hell should I kiss your tush? And as a result, Tom Brady said, the hell with it, I'm going to go elsewhere. Went elsewhere, won a Super Bowl championship for Tampa Bay, and that really highlighted 
and illuminated what Bill Belichick's ego was and how that may have gotten in the way. Then when you take into account the fact that you're looking at him as an executive and you recognize the fact that he's only drafted two pro bowlers, a kicker and a punter in all the years (laughs) since 2012, those are the things that are hurting him. That's why I think that the state of Massachusetts and the Foxborough area specifically is tired of Bill Belichick and they don't mind moving on, particularly considering how bad Matt Jones has been. And their mentality is maybe we do need to start a new era and appreciate Bill Belichick for all he's done. But maybe it's time for him to go to to Los Angeles for the Chargers or to go somewhere else. Maybe it's time for that to happen. Well, uh, I, pr- I appreciate the information. Thanks, Thank you, man. Let's go to Jay in North Carolina. You're live with Stephen A. What's up, Jay? What's going on, Stephen A? I got Talk a quick me, question. Bro. Yes, sir. Do you think Cam Newton should get another chance in the NFL? Well, I think Cam Newton should get another chance if he can ball. I okay. mean, at some point in time, listen, first of all, I don't want to hear about any kind of transgressions involving Cam Newton. We don't want to look at it from that perspective because let me tell you something. All of us are flawed. All of us make mistakes. Cam Newton is a good dude. He's not a bad person. Here's the problem. He took too much physical punishment, number one, because he was running the football too damn much, trying to do be Superman. And at one time he was, specifically 2015, when he got him to the Super Bowl with a 15-1 record before they got beat up by the Denver Broncos and Von Miller and those boys. But the point is, Cam Newton could play, but he was never an elite thrower of the right. football. And because he was never an elite thrower and his running ability, his running prowess was based off of power as opposed to elusivity like a Lamar Jackson and others, that's where the problem lies because he can't run the way that he used to. He can't take the punishment that he once took, which means that he has to be able to stand in the pocket and just throw the football now and that ain't his strength. So my personal opinion is give him a look. He should have a look. Just like Colin Kaepernick should have a look. We know he's been blackballed. We know that's not going to happen because he wasn't smart and wise enough to take them tryouts when it was offered to him at the Atlanta Falcons practice facility when 26 different teams showed up. But the difference between a Colin Kaepernick and a Cam Newton is that Colin Kaepernick had breakaway speed and he never absorbed the punishment that Cam Newton did. And so even though both of them were average throwers at best, Cam, uh, Colin Kaepernick, I'm sorry, his athletic ability and his breakaway speed, that's what separates him from a Cam Newton. Cam Newton never had that. He just overpowered you. And now that he's older and and, and he absorbs so much punishment, plus he can't throw the football on an elite level, I personally think his career is over. I don't want it to be. I hope that I'm wrong. But if I had to bet, I would tell you that Cam Newton's career as a quarterback in the National Football League has come to an end. Okay, I appreciate that, Stephen. Thanks a lot, man. Take care. Last caller, Hunter in Alabama. You're live with Stephen A. What's up, Hunter? How are you? Hey, Stephen A. How are you doing? I'm all right. Thank you for calling. I got a question for you. If Joshua Dobbs, Vikings quarterback right now, if he leaves the Vikings to the playoffs and stays on the pace that he's on, is he the Vikings quarterback going into the next season? I think think the answer to that question is yes. And I'm going to tell you why I think it's yes. I'm going to tell you why I think it's yes. Okay, let's take this into consideration right now. He's balling. Let's give him respect where respect is due. The last two games, 31-28 win over Atlanta. 20 for 30, 158 passing yards, two touchdowns. Last week against New Orleans, 27-19 win. 
All right. And remember that game against Atlanta, he had just arrived to the game. He had just arrived to the team like three, like days earlier for crying out loud. And then last <laughs> week, he completed 67% of his passes, 268 yards and a touchdown. The brother is balling. Here's the thing. Kirk Cousins was due a new contract. So because Kirk Cousins was due a new contract, okay, if you're Minnesota, you was potentially looking for another avenue anyway because you didn't yep. want to pay him the money he was going to command. Now that he's suffered this Achilles injury, there's no doubt that he won't be in a position to get what he was intending to ask for. So because Kirk Cousins comes cheaper, you might have a shot at keeping him. You might want to keep him. But the way Joshua Dobbs is rallying the troops, the way that he's balling, if this brother gets Minnesota, who was once left for dead, starting off one and three on the season before going on this winning streak, if this brother resurrects the Minnesota Vikings, by the way, doing so without Justin Jefferson, and they end up getting to the postseason, and God forbid he wins a playoff game, which Kirk Cousins didn't do and couldn't do, at least this, mm-hmm. at least last season, I think that if you're the Minnesota Vikings, considering how much cheaper he will be and how his play is comparable to that of Kirk Cousins, plus being the leader that he has emerged into being for the Vikings, I think it's entirely plausible that Joshua Dobbs will be the starting quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings next season. Absolutely. I agree with you. Thank you. All right, man. Take care of yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, appreciate the love. Appreciate the time. Really glad that y'all enjoyed the show with me. Thank y'all for joining me. My first day in my new studio, Stephen A. Smith show in the house in the Stephen A. Smith studios. That's what we call it. It's not the official word on the outside, but that's the word, the official word in here. That's the way it's going to stay. Stephen A. Smith show in the Stephen A. Smith studios. Holla at your boy next time. That would be Wednesday. Stick around. You're listening and watching the Stephen A. Smith show over the digital airwaves of YouTube. Until next time, peace and love. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts.